everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You are listening to the Super Revenue Brothers with Raul and Tony. Are you still focused on optimizing every single department? Well, I'm sorry, that's just not enough anymore. In today's episode, we're talking about how companies need to start thinking about the entire go-to-market as a whole to hit their targets in 2024 and do so efficiently. Enjoy. So, Raul, um, you mentioned here just before we hit record that uh, you're arbeitslos right now, so unemployed <laughs> in English. How's that going for you? Really nice. Um, I think this is the first time in maybe 15 years that I, well, be before I was, I was arbeitslos and then working, I was obviously in school, so I'll put that also as a period of my life where I, had, I knew exactly what I was doing. And so I have a couple things that I'm doing on and off, a little bit of freelance work, and I have something inside for, let's say, Q2, that uh, when it's really done and finished, I'll maybe talk about that. But it actually feels really nice. So when yeah. you know for 10, 15 years of your life exactly what you're going to do in the next six months, it's okay. There is no problem with that. It's nice to have a little bit of a change. And, and do you need to downscale now and be more efficient? Or, or what is... <laughs> <laughs> You're really knocking these out today. If you want to, if I you want to look for I another know, really good intro, look for the last podcast we did. Yeah, exactly. So obviously, we're talking about efficiency now. We have a couple of thoughts about what will happen in 2024 when it comes to efficiency. Yeah, and the and then for me, it's almost like a prediction actually. So I think we've seen now at least a decade, if not longer, of people buying tools for departments and finding hacks and deploying coaches. For sales specifically, we've seen a lot of tools coming out for marketing, making this more efficient, CS and so forth. And I think what's going to happen in 2024 is that people are going to start realizing that optimizing each team, optimizing each department might not actually get you the optimal outcome as a whole. Waking up to the reality that you need to stop thinking marketing, sales and CS and start thinking go-to-market. What's the go-to-market unit as a whole, right? And one one sometimes great way to put it is you can, and I'm not a soccer fan or football fan, I don't know, I don't know all of these names, but you can have the greatest striker, the best goalie, the best defense, the best midfielder, all of that stuff happening. But if they're not playing together, if they're not playing as a team, then you're still going to lose. And I think that's what's happening also in reality when you think about go-to-market and that's what people building those go-to-market engines need to start thinking about is it's not about having the the best in each it's having something that really works well together right and my prediction is pretty simply that in 2024 i think people are going to wake up to the realization that the next frontier of finding efficiencies is looking at the go-to-market as a whole not at always its individual pieces you know what's so when you say football i think basketball and then there is the same analogies. So if you're a basketball fan, the Golden State Warriors go out there. Everyone hates them because they just go out there and, and buy the best players at the time, basically. That's the short story of it. But they did go out and win. And then at other times, eight other teams do that. The, the Brooklyn Nets bought the best team, basically, of all time. And they didn't win. And yeah, there's also injuries and all that. But I think a lot of it really is very applicable to what you just said, which is winning is a skill by itself that you have to develop. And that takes a lot more than just having the best individual pieces. Yeah, And I would fully agree with you there. The, and maybe to, to elaborate on that, but then I also have a follow-up question to elaborate on that. What I think is going to happen, and I don't know if it will be in 2024 yet, but I'm really waiting for that because I always like people who do that, is that 
the people who are able to bring the pieces together the best way and maybe to even coach the best pieces together will also emerge as the new superstars. And they will also get more recognition for that because so far, typically you would have these, and, and I hate that term, oh yeah, Mr. VC, Project A, whatever. We hired a rock star team. We have this CMO from this company with X years of experience and they built that and that. We have this CSO from that company. And I was like, okay, but is, is that really going to work? And that's the same picture that's been going on in this NBA yeah. picture that I have. The, the thing that really comes to mind is why is that in the first place? What's happening now that in 2024 you think this, where you could have thought this 10 years ago or maybe in 10 years? What's, what's actually happening today that makes you think that? I think it's been true for a while, as you point out. But I think the way you look at an organization sometimes, there's finance, there's product, then there's sales, and then there's marketing, and then there's CS. I think you see them as semi-individual pieces. And I think what what is happening, because you could say you need to have those rock stars and product and finance as well, and everything needs to work out. But I think what's happening is that the realization is dawning on people that there's a bit more cohesion happening around marketing, sales, and CS than it maybe is to finance and or to product, number one. And number two, you can see this from, I would say, this trend of hiring CROs people that oversee the whole pie, not just individual pieces. And you can see it from, I would say, the emergence of revenue operations or go-to-market operations that are overseeing the whole thing, not just those individual pieces, right? And I think with fundraising being more difficult, people wanting to see more efficient engines being built, I think the pressure on all of those executives to get better, get more efficient is going to increase and I can tell you from the last two years, everyone has been looking around and trying to make everything more efficient, but they come up short. Like, what do you think I did the last two years before I was in this crisis? Like I, I already optimized a lot of stuff. So what else? Yeah. And I think what's happening is people are like realizing that I'm done optimizing sales. I can maybe optimize a little bit more sales, but the additional unit gained per unit put in is not going to be that much actually. And the next S-curve in, in efficiencies, in my opinion, is in the space between, is in aligning the, I hate the aligning word so much, but to a large degree, really making sure that you treat the whole thing as one instead of only its individual pieces. And that still means, yes, you need to have rockstar leaders in each of these different departments and they will probably keep their blinders on and maybe that's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing, but you need to have someone in your organization. And that's not a low-level RevOps, that's not a sales CRO, that's not a product CEO. <laughs> someone that kind of can oversee the whole thing and kind of really optimize pieces in between, right? And I can give you a couple of examples and maybe you have a couple of examples as well, but typical one, typical one is you do the financial planning. Sorry, I need to start there, but you do the financial planning <laughs> and then it says the CMO needs to deliver 5,000 MQLs. And the CMO is, oh, cool, let's do that. I'll deliver 5,000 MQLs. But really what the salesperson thinks, like he's going to deliver 5,000 demo request MQLs, but that's not what's going to happen. He's going to deliver like 5,000 webinar MQLs because that's the only way he can get there. Mm -hmm. And what then is going to happen is all of those MQLs that are basically not useless, I'm not saying you should stop doing it, but you process it down further downstream. The CMOs, are now you need to call them. You're the leads. And then the SDRs call them, get overwhelmed by all the webinar leads, don't get actually to work on the demo request themselves. Overall, it's a shit show because you're spending a ton of money on working through those leads that are not going to go anywhere. Um, and that, for example, 
is a thing that optimizes maybe for uh, the CMO and maybe it even optimizes to a degree for the sales leader, probably not so much. But ultimately, those two things don't make sense. If the CMO would own the whole thing or if the sales leader would own the whole thing, they wouldn't do it like this. And this is just one example. I can give you another example. And maybe then you go if you have some of them in mind. Um, one thing, and again, it's the sales and marketing thing, but one thing could, for example, be you have a sales team in the UK, you have a sales team in DACH, you have the sales team in the US. And then you need to drive leads and maybe you do this through paid acquisition. And then marketing looks at the leads that they acquire in the UK and says, ooh, those are expensive. You know what? Actually, let's <laughs> drill them. Let's decrease them, take that money, put it into Germany because that's super cheap. Overall, the company gets more leads, right? So that's great. It's like local optimum reached, high five everyone. But what they don't realize is now that they decrease the lead volume, you basically have half of the sales team sitting in the UK just twiddling their thumbs and have nothing to do. So again, it's not a, they haven't thought about those knock-on effects and how these actually things actually work. And that's, those are two tangible examples. And they're, I, I think they're like 20,000 more, by the way. Two tangible examples where one local optimum, very mathy, sorry, but one local optimum for one department doesn't mean it's a global optimum for the whole team of go-to-market. Wow. That was very well put, I have to say. I'm impressed. So I, I like, as a, as a little bit of a math nerd, I like this local optimum and then like global optimum yeah. or maximum. And I have, funnily enough, I have actually seen the exact ex example that you just said in, in two different occasions, quite extremely. They were not with countries, except the one that comes to mind. Um, they had it with industries. So they would go out and they would so send, they had, they had this market mode, go to market motion that worked in a certain way so far. And then they had a couple of brilliant ideas of how to change that and change the marketing material and all that. And further downstream, two months later, there was a couple of people sitting around do, not doing anything anymore. And people yeah. were wondering where that came from. So yeah. this actually happens as, as, as stupid as it sounds. No, it happens all the time. I've yeah. the, and another one is, and I've been guilty of most of them myself, by the way, so don't, don't get me wrong, but one thing was, okay, outbound, and someone in the team spoke Spanish. <laughs> it's, wow, cool. Now we can call them to Spain. Let's go do that. <laughs> and and obviously, yes, some opportunities generated, and then the AE didn't speak Spanish, and we had it in English, so that was already bad. But then the next thing was like, they need support in Spanish and supporting in Spanish. Product in Spanish. <laughs> and suddenly it's, oh, I don't think I thought this one through. And yeah. that's the point, right? Is you do something, hey, Spanish, Spain, big market. We have one resource, let's go. She can probably book like 20,000 meetings. There. It's not a problem, but you haven't actually thought through how that will affect the other parts of the engine and how that might be extremely inefficient across those different engines. Yeah. What I really love about the way that you put that is that I like when boring stuff, but solid stuff becomes important again. And yeah. so maybe there's also some wishful thinking uh, on my end on this coming true, but this term that you don't like, nobody likes it. Like this alignment term, I fucking love it. But the reason I love it is not, not because I find the term very sexy, because it just works. And, and I yeah. like stuff that just works and that is rock solid. And that will stand the test of time. And that is more than just the trend that's happening nowadays. But that is hard to come by and doesn't sound sexy. And I think this is exactly one of those topics. Yeah. I, and yeah, sorry. maybe another direction where that comes from is I also understand why we are where we're at right now. Because, and also my evolution and my learning has also come to you have to start somewhere. And as a tech ecosphere or as a 
tech go-to-market leader because we all had to start somewhere and you can't start as a CRO, but you start in, in, in one of the areas. And if you're lucky, we figured it out all by, our, by, by ourselves all together and maybe as a community, if you have that. At some point, obviously, the end evolution step is that you become someone who understands all these things together. But I think the sort of the maturity thing that I'm seeing, and there's really a difference between people nowadays, is some people are still stuck in 2015 when they started yeah. as, a, as an SDR, and that's how the view on, on, on the world was. And some people have moved on and been like, hey, man, I really need to learn this, and I need to understand what marketing is actually doing. And yeah. I'm welcoming with open arms the world where people have to evolve faster. Thing myself. But so there are folks like Jaco van der Kuy, obviously winning by design. He's talking about this a lot. There's Sangram Vajra, I think he's pronounced from go-to-market partners, previous terminals pushing this as well. Pavilion is now wanting to be the go-to-market like community. They built this GTM consortium kind of thing. I'm not sure if you've seen that actually, but they're also addressing it there. That's a thing. And I think, by the way, I've interviewed all of those people. It's fantastic. But the, I think there are like three items that sent out for me. And I, I didn't even make them up. <laughs> three <laughs> items that stand out. One, and that for me is like a biggie that people are underestimating. One is like a common language in your go-to-market. And it starts at simple things as, as having a common definition for a metric. That's the boring part. The really important part is that when you refer to the metric, that everyone actually has the same understanding in mind what that means and, and understands how that works out and where it sits and, and what the actual numbers are and so forth. Align common language across your go-to-market. I think this is number one. I think number two, you need to have aligned goals. And when I'm saying that, I actually don't mean that every marketing person should have a revenue goal. I don't think that's the right way to go about it. But if mm. you're smart, what you can do is you can give them an MQL or an opportunity goal that actually maps to and aligns to the revenue outcome you want to see. You just need to be a little bit mm. smarter about this, right? It's not just MQLs. It's hand raisers versus non-hand raisers. It's hand raisers in this region versus hand raisers in that region, right? If you do these things, you can actually give them goals that they can tangibly impact because otherwise they're going to burn out, basically. And that still map nicely to revenue. Because what you want to do is you want to make sure when your, comp when your sales team hits target, that's the only time when also marketing celebrates and not the other way around. Because that's what's creating lots of friction, right? And then number three, in order to do that, and this is those are not my words, by the way, not my words, you need to have a go-to-market data model that is fully aligned, interconnected in real time, to basically make sure that all of these different data silos that you've been building up, and fantastic, by the way, for each of those departments, but they don't connect. They don't align across. That's basically the third ingredient, right? So let's say it again, a common language, aligned goals, and then a fully interconnected data model connecting all of these pieces of the go-to-market together to make sure it works out. It's almost like there is someone that builds a tool that does the last one, though, right? And, and obviously, <laughs> I think... We ha still have never really talked about Growblocks, and maybe at some point we will, because I would actually be interested also in that. Um, always a big fan of Growblocks, and, and you really have to look into that. If you're a listener of this podcast and you don't even know what Growblocks does, man, do yourself a favor. Maybe you don't want to buy it. That's fine. But I also really believe that in, I don't know how many years, um, but this kind of thing will be what you will need to do. Um, so let's just keep it at that, because uh, that very, very much goes into the, the point that you also didn't make. 
and and, and I now made it for you. I really agree with that. Um, yeah, no. So I'm 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 always a bit shy on those product plugs here, but what I just think is insane is um, is this GTM consortium. Uh, so Jaco, Sam, Sam Jacobs from Pavilion, and Sangram Vajer, I think he's pronounced again. They are writing this stuff. This is not me writing this stuff. And I think you can get to this interconnected way, maybe with Excel. I don't think you can, or you can do it with a vendor, right? And I don't, I actually don't know of anyone that's doing this outside of us actually right now. But it's just pretty cool to see that this is what some of the thought leaders in the space are breaking down to. This, this is how you're going to find efficiencies and effectiveness of, of growth going forward, right? Think about the whole go-to-market. And then once you do that, you also need to ingest the data and how all of these things work together in order to make the right decisions. And I, I would also really like to make this okay. a bit more tangible with... So I've basically I've been doing the, this exact same thing for at least six, seven years now, maybe even 10. And if you're now sitting there and being like, yeah, okay, I, I believe all that and that's nice talk, but what do I do now? I'm a CRO, I'm a, I have care with go-to-marketing in my company. You would be surprised if you really ask yourself the following question honestly, because I've done this with probably at least 50 companies by now in, in certain variations. Go out there and really write down what your team is doing right now. So what are your people doing? And what of those things that they're doing, because there's one or two follow-up questions to that, are actually not going to make you money at the end of the day. And you would be surprised what you find if you really honestly answer that question, because your first impulse will be, of course, I know what they're doing, and I have my senior leaders, and they know all that. I don't have to know that. That's naive, because if they're not going to be able, the people who talk to each other and make sure that the machine is working together well, Someone has to do it. And the answer that you give, the default answer, which is, oh, yeah, but that's what I have my head of sales for or my VP sales and my VP marketing for. I don't need to know that stuff. To some idea, at least maybe once a month or something, do that exercise. Sit down and think about there's actually two people creating marketing material for the UK. We're not going to be in the UK in six months. Oh, there's actually, two, there's actually people hiring salespeople for Denmark. We're not even ready for Denmark yet. And if you really did that and did that exercise through, you would find a lot of these answers very quickly, but you rely maybe too much right now. And that's what I've seen the reality. You rely too much on saying, oh, but I have my VP. He's going to figure that out. I think what people should be thinking about is who owns go-to-market in your company? Who owns that actually? Mm. And I can tell you the owner is not the VP of sales. It's also not the VP of marketing. It might be if you have this CRO that goes across, you know what, then that might probably be the person. And, and ask yourself that question, who, who actually owns this? Who is thinking about this day in, day out? It's, by the way, also not the person that's a Salesforce admin that really has maybe stretched to sales ops and you call RevOps. That's also not the person that's going to be owning go-to-market. I think if you have a experienced five to 10 years VP of revenue operations, yeah, that person actually could be someone that owns go-to-market. Otherwise, I think it's difficult whom do you give this, right? And if you look into your organization and you have no one that really day in, day out, and let's just say 100 people and more, day in and day out thinks about this instead of how to sell more, how to market more, how to renew more, I think that gives you a little bit of an idea that there might be a gap. There might be a blind spot in the organization that you haven't staffed against, right? And, and I think Raul and I, we brought up a couple of examples how this kind of comes up to the surface. 
these marketing things that actually don't translate into sales, the sales things mm -hmm. that actually don't translate into CS. And you might have so many more things, by the way. But as more as you see those things propping up, you can, we're all kind of paranoid. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't have gotten to have this job eventually. When, when I have this sense of, okay, I'm seeing here one or two problems and I'm just running into them randomly, then I know there's probably 10x more of those problems around. Just, just because I'm bumping into it by accident doesn't mean that this is the only issue that I'm seeing. It's just the first one that I bumped into. So there's probably, I don't know how to say it in English, but there's a Dunkelziffer of what else is going on. And that's what you should be paranoid about. That's what you should be scared of is Jesus. Okay, there's super straightforward issue here. And I'm the one picking this up. If I'm the one CEO, founder, whatever, if I'm the one seeing this, what are all the 100 things I'm not seeing? And who is actually now in charge of seeing them for me, right? And I think you should yeah. be asking yourself the question. And I think if you don't, I don't think you need to hire now a specific person. Might This might be an outcome. But just consciously think about who owns go-to-market? Who owns that, that thought process? Who owns these pieces? And if you can't come up with anyone, chances are there's a lot of optimization potential that you're just not unlocking right now. Beautiful. So the, the prediction is that the people who ask those questions uh, are going to do very well this year. And funnily enough, I'm not going to talk about specific people here, but I have really seen this. So I've seen people rise to the ranks in some companies very fast just because they were really good at doing that. And maybe they weren't the people with 20 years of industry experience, yeah. but with a very smart head on their head, on their shoulders, and a couple of years that were really good at figuring these things out and that are now actually the commercial leaders of, of some companies that are very successful. So maybe that's one of the new trends going forward and also I mean, a career tip that you just gave. So I don't want to, I don't want to, what is it? toot my own horn or something like that. That's good. Toot I, away. Was the, I was a little bit that person. I basically joined the first thing was on the finance side, then became something RevOps. And we only know now that it was RevOps. And I think what I accidentally did is I was focusing on the space between. And that helped me to understand the whole thing. And then through some lucky shots, I got promoted here and there. And the companies were successful as well. So that was useful. But it's if, if it's not only CSOs and CROs listening, but some RevOps maybe here as well, there's there's uncharted territory in the space between in the space between mm. the different departments that then constitute go to market there's no one sitting there and trying to push you away it's still going to require some skill to navigate and so forth but no one is is there right now and it's a really uh, valuable spot to sit in and just start thinking how can you jump into this thing and how can you extract value for the organization by doing exactly that Raul I think we're coming up on time here yeah so many more thoughts on this, but great topic. And let's see what this year brings. I'm really excited for all the people coming up who will become much smarter about this topic and, and really bring a lot of yeah. alignment forward. As boring as that word is, let's bring alignment uh, in 2024. Alignment. Let's go. Okay, thank you, Raul, for chatting. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a good day. Thank you.